You are listening to Resurrection Indiana. To find out more about our meeting times and location, check us out on Facebook or Instagram, or visit our website at resurrectionindiana.org. Looking at this fifth commandment, I want to share with you a quote. Youth today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and they talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents. They talk too much in company. They guzzle their food. They lay their legs on the table and they tyrannize their elders. Talking about honoring father and mother, but really honoring authority and neglect and even dishonor of authorities that are over us, especially of parents, is often we see rampant in our culture today. (coughs) And some of it, of course, is a reaction to parents who have abused their authority in some cases, but much of it is simply the glorification of youth and an aversion to any sort of authority at all. In this country, sometimes historians and cultural critics attribute the cultural shifts of the 1960s and a minimizing of the family to contribute to all of this, but the quote that I just read to you is not from the 20th century or the 21st century. It's from about 400 BC from the Greek philosopher Socrates. None of this is new. And so it's significant that the first of these commandments that deal with loving your neighbor, loving each other's, addresses the honoring of parents. And that history, back to Greek philosophy and Socrates and even before, has long recognized the family as the starting point for the breakdown of the nation. And so, of course, this command is important. And yet, at the same time, the Bible teaches an even greater reason for it. The Ten Commandments, even when dealing with loving neighbors, we talk about the first part of it, dealing with loving God, and the second part of the Ten Commandments, dealing with loving your neighbor, but really, all of this is about loving and honoring the God who created us. And so we honor God by honoring the authorities that are over us, starting with parents, father and mother. So we want to look, first of all, at the meaning of honor. What does this look like? What does it mean to honor someone, and particularly parents? The ways we most obviously show honor to parents is by obedience. And that's why this commandment is given this way. And certainly the way it's understood, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the Apostle Paul in the New Testament says this. There is no better way to show honor to your parents and respect than by listening to and obeying them. And sometimes we even draw this distinction between right and wrong in exactly that way. We think of children as either obedient or disobedient. Sometimes we use those ideas of honor and obedience even interchangeably. 
Now, that's on the surface. That should be pretty clear. But that word honor means more than just obedience. Literally, it carries this idea of physical heaviness. It means weight. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, we see King David's son Absalom. He's described as having very thick hair. This is actually sort of a weird example. He's described as having very thick hair, and he would cut it once a year when it became heavy on him. And that idea is extended beyond physical weight to mean significance, to refer to somebody who is important. Abraham is described as being heavy with livestock and silver and gold. He's wealthy. And of course, if a person carries a lot of weight, when we say that about somebody, we usually don't mean that they're obese. We actually have other probably less flattering words for that. But what we do mean when we say somebody carries weight is that they're influential, that they are an important person. And that's the idea that is in view here, to honor your father and mother, to treat your parents as people who are significant and who are deserving of great respect. So, simply put, to honor somebody is to give them respect, to value them, to treat them as valuable. And the Bible is absolutely unique in ancient literature of that time in that it gives this command not just for fathers, but also for mothers. Honor your father and mother. And it gives those equally. No one else in ancient times was saying that. And so for all the ways in which the complementary nature of men and women has been abused through history to treat women as inferior to men, and even the way that it is misunderstood today, it's no small thing, especially in ancient cultures, that here the Bible treats fathers and mothers equally. So how do you treat a prized possession? What happens when that antique plate that's been in your family for generations gets dropped and shatters on the floor? Maybe that's why in our family we don't really have an antique plate that I know of. <laughs> you know, how do you respond when somebody dismisses or ignores something that is important to you. We ought to give weight to the things that we care about. Okay, so that's the meaning of honor. And it says, honor your father and mother. So what does it look like? Maybe a little more practically. So I said before, obedience is the most common understanding and, of course, that's certainly where it starts. From the earliest age, children are instructed to honor their parents by obeying them, to follow directions. When our children were younger, that would come up all the time when we would ask them to do something. I'd say when they were younger, it sometimes still happens. We'd ask them to do something, only to see them go off and either forget or just sort of willfully decide they don't want to do it. And when that happened, I remember having conversations that often went something like this. Was that good listening? No, it was not. It's important that you learn to obey. There's another part to that as well. This isn't just for small children. 
and scholars are pretty much in agreement that this is probably the way, one of the ways that this commandment was understood. And that's this, care of parents in their old age. The fifth commandment is a call to honor our parents by caring for them when they're no longer able to care for you or even to care for themselves. In other words, the ones who brought you into the world are to be given weight and treated with honor. They should not suffer unnecessarily or be put out because they can no longer support themselves or meet their own needs. And of course, there's a huge issue today. It was once the case that aging parents lived with their children when they were no longer able to be on their own. And increasingly, parents today are put into retirement or nursing homes in some cases simply because parents do not, children do not want to be inconvenienced. Now that's not to say that there's no place for those facilities. We were in Colorado a couple of months ago and actually one, one person that we visited had just sold her home, um, widowed and had moved into a retirement community where she'll have friends and social activities and, and actually it's a great place for her to live in her, um, in her last years. So there are, is sometimes certainly a place for some of those things. A place where a person can be well cared for and maintain friendships and, and as much independence as they are still able. But at the same time, there are also parents who are seldom visited or who seldom even hear from their children. And this was one of the ways that the religious leaders failed in keeping this command. There was a tradition that allowed for wealth to be dedicated to God. And therefore, it was set apart and it couldn't be given to others. And practically, Jesus pointed out that religious leaders were using this tradition and essentially saying to their parents who were in need, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Because what I have has already been dedicated to God. And it sounds religious and pious. And yet it actually broke God's command. This is what Jesus was pointing out. It broke God's command instead of honoring it. So honoring parents, but beyond parents, this command also applies to authorities in general. Now, of course, it doesn't say that explicitly, and that's maybe strange to us. Um, Philip Ryken explains that each of the Ten Commandments stands for a whole category of sins and duties. Maybe the way to understand that is our law code today, especially in our country and maybe in most of the Western world, we have law codes that sort of seek to be exhaustive. Consequently, we're always looking for loopholes. If a law doesn't specifically say something, we assume that it doesn't mean that or it doesn't apply there. But that's not the way biblical law works. And so when God tells us to respect parents, to honor parents, he's telling us to honor anyone and everyone who has legitimate authority over us. There's really no question that Israel would have understood that law exactly that way. And so we see passages in the New Testament, like Ephesians 6, and I quoted from that earlier, 
where Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. But then he goes on and he regulates working relationships. And he talks about slaves and masters, which we would extend to employers and employees today. And in 1 Timothy, which speaks of honoring the elders of a church. And in Romans chapter 13, which says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Of course, today, sometimes we look at that honor, and especially in our current partisan day and age, we often feel that our leaders have done nothing to deserve the honor of anyone. That we live in a particularly corrupt time. And yet, the Apostle Peter wrote, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. What was the emperor like? Well, in Peter's day, or near there, there was Nero. Emperor Nero, who was married multiple times, sometimes to women and sometimes to other men. Nero, who was largely suspected to have started the great fire that destroyed, that destroyed the city of Rome in his bid for urban renewal to rebuild it the way he wanted to, but then blamed it on Christians who were then persecuted and executed in some cases. And yet Peter still says, honor the emperor. And yet today, often we fail to do that. Sometimes that's just because of our partisanship that my side is all righteous while the other side is all evil. The reality is that's not really true in any way. It's one reason why political humor today is lately less funny because our partisanship makes it more about sort of a mean-spirited scoring of points for whatever your side is rather than a light-hearted poking of fun on things that maybe we'd all agree on. But regardless, honoring authorities is important because in doing so, we are actually honoring God himself, recognizing that no authority exists on earth that has not been instituted by God. In other words, we're recognizing the sovereignty of God in all things. And therefore, to dishonor authorities is to dishonor what God has done. And that doesn't mean that we agree with all authorities or that we believe all authorities are right in everything they do. It's not a blind obedience to authority. And maybe we see an example of what this looks like in the Old Testament and the story of King David before he became king. David had been anointed king, but the king, the current king, was Saul. 
Saul, who perhaps knew that David had been anointed and whom the prophet Samuel had rejected as king. And Saul knew that as well and yet was determined to hold on to his kingdom. And yet David, knowing that he was anointed, refused to do anything that might bring harm to Saul, even when Saul was pursuing him to have him killed. Even to the point that when Saul was killed in battle and David assumed the throne, when somebody came to David and told him that Saul was dead and actually took credit for Saul's death, he lied, maybe hoping that he himself would be honored, but David immediately had him executed. Who are you to raise your hand against the king that God had put in place? Believing that God is sovereign over all things does not and should not make us passive in the face of injustice or passive in the face of authorities who abuse their power and position. But it does recognize that we show honor and respect even when we disagree. And sometimes even when we protest or work for change. What does it look like to honor. Those are the objects of honor. And then how is that honor fulfilled? Because there's a reason that's included with this commandment. We are to honor our parents, Exodus says, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In other words, honoring father and mother is in our own best interest. Again, remember that the Ten Commandments are given to Israel, God's people, as they've been brought out of slavery in Egypt. They're in the process of being brought into the Promised Land, where they were ultimately become a foreshadowing, a picture of God's kingdom. That's why I read that preface again. That we always need to remember as we keep these things, this is not something that if you honor your father and mother, if you keep the Sabbath, if you... Don't take the Lord's name in vain that you will be accepted by God. But rather, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And God says, I am your God and you are my people. And therefore, this is what it looks like to be my people, to be in my household, to be a part of my kingdom. One way that the people can ensure that they will keep living long in this promised land is by honoring their fathers and mothers. And of course, today, we're not living in the promised land, but the expression live long in the land is a Hebrew phrase that refers to the fullness of God's blessing. It means to have an abundant life, a good life. Now, that doesn't mean that if you honor your parents that you will live to be 100 years old. Or that if you die young, it's because you didn't honor your parents. But it does mean that this commandment is God's design, and by living according to it, you will experience the blessing of relationship and communion with God. And like I just said, that's not the same as earning something with God. It's to say that if you are a child of God, you will experience the blessing of God as a father by obeying him. 
just as earthly children and parents do in their own relationships. The book of Proverbs speaks to that. There are Proverbs that talk about honoring parents. And Proverbs, of course, we understand, are not promises. If you do this, then this will happen. Proverbs are statements of things that generally work. Generally, if you do this, this is what will happen. It doesn't always work out that way, but generally speaking, more often than not. And so honoring authorities is in your best interest and will bring blessing. But there's another way that this commandment is fulfilled. In the first place, Jesus himself fulfilled this commandment, just like he did all the others. And as we're going through the Ten Commandments, we're always looking to Jesus who fulfills all of these things perfectly. And when Jesus is on the cross at the point of his greatest suffering, when he is about to die, he is still obedient in keeping God's commands. And he makes provision for the care of his mother Mary after he was gone. As he is on the cross that he sees his mother and he sees the apostle John or John who will be an apostle and he tells him mother here is your son and son here is your mother and we're told that from that day on John took her into his house and took care of her as though she was his mother but there's something else happening too by his death on the cross Jesus is creating a new family altogether. The Apostle Paul, again in Ephesians, says that he bows his knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. When we honor the authorities that are over us and mother and father, we're also recognizing the authority of Jesus himself and the fact that he has given his life for us so that, as John puts it, and as we say often, that we might have the right to become children of God. You know what? That should be a comfort and a hope for those who have difficult family situations. Sometimes you have parents who are difficult to honor, or parents who are absent, or parents who are gone, parents that are abusive. Your earthly family is significant. And we see that in the way that it shapes us in all sorts of ways, for better and for worse. And yet God is doing something bigger. One time when Jesus was teaching and crowds were gathered around, he was told somebody kind of broke their way through and said, your mother and your brothers are waiting outside to see you. And Jesus says something that sounds cold and heartless to us as a way to treat your family he says who is my mother and who are my brothers and maybe it is but then he gestures at those people who are around him and he says here are my mother and my brothers for everyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother Jesus is not minimizing the idea of family. He is expanding it. And through his death on the cross, his life in your place, Jesus invites you into that family. See, because good families, healthy families, even the healthiest of families are never perfect. 
Sometimes I have said that you can be the best parent in the world, but if your child wants to spend the entirety of their adult life in therapy because of your mistakes, they will find enough mistakes to do exactly that. Even at their best, good families can only point toward the perfect family that God is creating in his people. It's a family that stands the test of time and a family that will last for all eternity. And so we honor God by honoring the authorities over us. We look back at the question of authority in this country, and like I said before, we often suggest that the 1960s youth rebelled against healthy families of the 1950s. That's sometimes how the story is portrayed, but it's not necessarily the whole story. The truth is that the youth who rebelled and experimented with drugs in the 60s very often were following their parents. Fathers who came home from work and drank the night away and mothers who were addicted to prescription tranquilizers. It was just more socially acceptable. And that's not to say that there weren't good families during that time period, any less than to say that there aren't any good families today. Of course there are. But it is to say that there is not a time in history, as Socrates reminds us, where we have been a perfect picture of keeping this commandment. And so we remember that Jesus kept the law in our place, that Jesus was perfectly obedient when we weren't, and that by his obedience, he's creating a new family in which he invites us to be a part. And keeping that fifth commandment, seeking to observe it, to live that out, it's not a way of getting right with God. It's a way of being prepared for life forever in the kingdom of God.